When Pastor Peter asked me uh, to preach this Sunday, I said, only if you're going to be away, if I can tell a story on you. Okay? I knew Peter when nobody knew who Peter was. Okay? So let's just get that straight. When my husband and I came to Chicago, we were, uh, there was a covenant church out in Palatine, Illinois, which is where I live, which is still there. And we were starting this church up. And um, we needed a worship leader. So my first introduction to Peter Hung was this video, almost like an American Idol audition, right? Where this guy is on this video playing his guitar and singing his heart out to Jesus and his hair's all spiked up everywhere, right? Do you remember that look? Some of you have been around long enough. And now what's he got like that faux hawk thing going on right now? Yeah. So this, this was like in the spiky days. This was the spiky days. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, who is this guy? Like, are you kidding me? Who is this guy? And so, you know, we, we watched a little bit more, and I looked at my husband. I'm like, really? Like, really? He's going to lead worship at our church? Right? So we got to meet him and meet Jenny, and I'm telling you, my husband and Peter could not be more radically different people. But, you know, when God does something and brings people together, um, it has been just this amazing friendship that we've had for 10 years. You know, and now Peter's got little kids. You know, when we first knew him, our kids were little. And so now I go to his house and I'm like, oh, are they being naughty, Peter? Oh, sorry. You know, that's the way it goes. I don't feel bad for you. That's what kids do. Um, But it is a privilege. And I'm quite well aware that Peter doesn't let anybody come and speak to his church. And so it is a privilege and an honor for me to be with you this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. And Lord, it has been so good to be here this morning. Thank you that we can come in and come freely, that we can come together, that we can be the body that proclaims to the world that there is hope and there is good news to be shared about who Jesus is. And so we thank you, Lord. We pray that our ears would be open that our eyes would see and that our hearts would hear what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 7,456. 7,456. That was the number of text messages that my 15-year-old son had in the month of January. That averages out to 249 a day. Can anybody top that in this room? Anybody? I'll say it again. 7,456. By the way, he topped it by 100. Because in December it was 100 less, and last month it was 100 more. This is Michael. This is a new day. This is the way we communicate, is it not? I mean, it's gotten so bad that even the rules have changed in the way we communicate, right? So 
when I was growing up and my mother told me to get off the phone if I was talking to a boy, I understood what that meant. It's time to go to bed and get off the phone. A few months ago, I said to Michael, I said, you know what, it's time to go to bed. Uh, you need to get off the phone and, and head up and get ready to go to bed. So I get ready to go to bed and I go upstairs and I go into his room and what is he doing? So I said to him, I said, I thought I told you to get off the phone. And he said, oh, oh, oh you, meant, you meant this too. And I said, are you not on the phone? Are you still on the phone, son? It's time to get off the phone. But the rules have changed. And I have to admit, like, I'm, I'm in on it too. I mean, I can be upstairs and Michael's down in the basement and I'm, you know, want to see him and I'll text him and I'll say, Michael, can you come up and say goodnight to me? Right? <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. But that's what we do because this is, this is the new world. This is where we live. But I'm convinced that because we communicate so much through machines, through phones, through emailing, through texting, through instant messaging, I think we've lost the art of conversation. We have lost the art of conversation. We speak in sound bites. Besides the fact that my son is going to be a horrible speller when he grows up. <laughs> right? But there's something lost, I think, in the communication. You can't see the other person's face. You can't hear intonations. I mean, I was texting a friend the other day, and we were, I was saying something in text, and it was totally sarcastic, but he had no idea what I was saying, and then he got mad at me, and I'm like, yo, like, that was sarcastic. Like, I had to say that it was sarcastic, right? Because he couldn't see me, he couldn't hear my voice. So somehow I think we've lost those skills in our communication. And I would argue that we've particularly lost them when it comes to sharing our faith with people. Because we don't do this anymore. We don't engage. We don't look into people's eyes. We don't listen well. This was no more evident to me than when I saw the movie New in Town. Have any of you seen that? Speaking of Valentine's Day, it's sort of this romantic comedy with Harry Connick Jr. and Renee Zellweger, right? So I'm watching this movie a few months ago, and I said, I know this is going to be classic someday. There's a scene in this movie, Renee Zellweger is this Miami executive. She comes up from Miami, and she goes to a small town in Minnesota, New Ulm, Minnesota. And she is sent there to shut the only factory in town, she's there to shut it down, Right? So she comes into Minnesota, first time ever there, and she's looking for her executive assistant. And in this scene, a conversation ensues that I think will be quite, uh, will illustrate quite nicely what I'm trying to get at when we talk about communicating and conversations. Let's watch it.
big winter in a theme park. For Blanche Gunderson, my assistant, Kathy called. You must be Miss Hill. I'm Blanche Gunderson. You're my uh, executive assistant? Oh, heavens no. I'm just a secretary. Did you need me to find you one of those? We'll see. What you need to find is a place to live. Right. So, this is your realtor, Trudy. Trudy Van Ooden at your service. That's with two U's, a W, not a W. I'll drive, and then what do you say you're following Miss Hill? Oh, good idea. Oh, you look at y'all matches. That's so nice. Say cheese. Are you a scrapper? Excuse me? Oh, there's Merle. Hey, Merle. That's our mailman, Merle. That's what we call him, mailman Merle, because... He delivers the mail, and he's our mailman. So, you know. Oh, yeah, do you keep a scrapbook? Because I do. I'm a scrapper, see. We even got a club. I got a mini in my bag here. Okay, so, this here's our dog, Winston Churchill. He's dead. He was a bit of a drooler, I'm afraid. And this here's my kitty, Snowflake. She's dead, too. We had to put her down on kind of that kitty leukemia thing. You should have seen the kinds of things she was burfing up on our couch. Poor thing, bless her heart. She's not dead in the picture, though. She's just sleeping. Could I look at that later? Maybe? Okay. So. Are you married? Do you have children? No, no, not married. Well, you're still young, you know. Relatively. I mean, you've still got time. I suppose. <laughs> Do you eat meat, or are you one of those vegetarian kind of people? No, not a vegetarian. Why? Because it's your first night in town. Don't think we're going to let you go hungry. You're coming to my house for dinner. Nothing fancy, of course. Meatloaf. Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? Isn't that what you've been doing? Have you found Jesus? Well, I didn't know he was missing. Normally, we don't joke about Jesus around here. But I can see how you'd think that was sort of funny. Imagine Jesus gone missing. Imagine. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Wow. Uh, 
There are just so many things wrong with that conversation <laughs> on so many levels, right? Um, but I wonder often if that's how we have viewed sharing our faith with people or how we've thought about evangelism. There's often this one-sided conversation where it's more like a monologue than a dialogue, where it's the Christian that's doing all the talking and none of the listening and not even really asking good questions, using exclusive language like, are you a scrapper? Who knows what that means? No, no sense of who this woman is or where she's been or, or what she might be feeling coming into a situation like this. I've shown that before and some people have said to me, oh, but Lisa, she was trying. She was trying to be welcoming, trying to be hospitable. Yeah, maybe. But just not connecting. There's just no connection there. And then she lays the bomb on her. Right? Have you found Jesus? And then did you notice she was offended by the response? She was offended by the response. But the point is, is that if we're not engaged in conversations and listening and learning to people and being sensitive to where people are, we shouldn't get defensive then when we ask questions that don't connect with people. But we do. And so I want to submit to you this morning that while we affirm that evangelism is both the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel and that we embrace the full gospel message, both word and deed, both body and soul, that I do believe that we are weak when it comes to sharing our faith verbally. And I think there's all kinds of reasons for that. I think we've believed myths. I think we've been set up to believe that people will reject us, that they're not interested in spiritual things. I think there's all kinds of reasons for it. But I think that we're going to learn this morning from Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts that there are good ways to have conversations with people, missional conversations, conversations that lead to Jesus. And so if you would, would you turn with me in the book of Acts chapter 8, it should be provided on the screen here if you don't have your Bibles with you, Acts chapter 8 verse 26. Through 35. Acts 8, 36, 26 through 35. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. 
Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, I understand you went through a series on the book of Acts, so perhaps uh, maybe just a little refresher course as to where we are in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is a turning point in the book of Acts. Because up until that point, the gospel is centered in Jerusalem. And now after the stoning of Stephen, which is at the end of 7 and the beginning of 8 now, the disciples scatter out. And when it talks about going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, they are scattered out into Samaria now. And Peter and John and Philip are in Samaria preaching and teaching and performing all kinds of miracles. This is where we find Philip in Acts 8. Who is Philip? Philip, we know, was the one who, when the church came together and there was an argument about who was being taken care of and who was not as far as the widows were concerned, Philip was the one of the seven that was assigned to help figure that out. You know, church stuff. You all have that here? Maybe not. But church stuff. And so Philip was assigned as one of those people to help figure that out. Acts 21.8 tells us that Philip had four prophesying daughters. That means four preaching daughters. How would you like to live in that household? Four of them, right? That's who, that's who Philip is. So Philip is with Peter and John up in Samaria. They go back to Jerusalem. And now in Acts 26, we're going to see how Philip is led and really what a missional conversation is about. Verse 26 It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. The first thing that we need to remember when we're going to talk to people about Jesus is to be led by the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you read that that sentence, it might not mean very much to you, right? About where he was, but he was in Samaria, which was north. And then he went to Jerusalem, which is another 35 miles. And then he was told by an angel of the Lord to go to Gaza now, which is another 48 miles from where he was from Samaria to Jerusalem to Gaza. Do you get the picture? It's a long way away. But the angel of the Lord tells him to go south on the desert road. Does this sound like an opportunity to you? Because I'm thinking not. Right? The middle of the day, the desert road, there's nobody there. It's hot. He's got to travel. And yet the angel of the Lord tells him to go. Be led by the Holy Spirit. If you hear nothing else from this message today, what you need to hear is that God is the evangelist. No matter how wonderful we might think our personalities are, we are not the ones drawing people to God. John 6.44 says that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws them. So we are being led by the Holy Spirit. 
to places that we would never go, to people that we would never talk to. Because guess what? You never know who's on the road. You never know who's on the road. And so Philip is led to the desert road, far away, by the way, from where all the happenings are going on, where Peter and John are preaching and teaching and all kinds of miracles. Philip's now alone on the desert road. And lo and behold, seemingly out of nowhere, a chariot comes. Now, this is an important man. Now, I'm thinking, you know how in the Christmas story, we talk about the wise men? I mean, there weren't only three wise men. I mean, we all know that by now, right? There were like caravans. There were lots of them. So I'm thinking this guy is a really important official from Ethiopia. So I'm thinking he's got just like this huge chariot with probably all kinds of people attending to him. And there stands Philip on the desert road in the middle of the day. Alone. And here he comes. Now... You may be wondering exactly, what is a eunuch? Well, a eunuch is someone who's been castrated or dismembered. Typically in ancient societies, the eunuch was despised, was ostracized. According to Jewish law, they were eternally impure. They were not allowed to worship in the temple anywhere. They were literally cut off. That's who the eunuchs are and how they're viewed in society. Now, this man is coming from Ethiopia, far, far south. Like, when the gospel talks about the ends of the earth, this is the mission here in Acts chapter 8. This man represents the ends of the earth. And that the gospel is for him too. And so he comes seeking. You talk about a trip over a thousand miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. Over a thousand miles. And he comes seeking, wondering, asking questions. And so he's in his chariot. And now Philip again, and the second time in very short verses... Again, it says, in verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Typically in scripture, when you see those phrases twice in two short verses, it means to pay attention. God's trying to say something here. Twice, it says the spirit told Philip. And so he goes and he stays near the chariot. That's kind of a weak translation there to stay near. What it really means is stick to it. Philip, go to the chariot and stick to it. I wonder if there's a word in there for us this morning. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit whispers something to you about someone to go someplace, don't just go near, go stick to them. Go so close that you can actually hear what they're saying. Be led by the Holy Spirit. This is what I love about Philip. In the middle of nowhere, 
with someone who's a different culture, a different race, a different social status. And yet he goes and he sticks to the chariot. And so Philip, he's listening. Now you might wonder, how could he hear what he was reading? Well, in antiquity, when they read these scrolls, it said he had the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet. So when he's reading the scroll, they read it out loud because there was no punctuation. So they had to read it out loud in order to understand it. So Philip could hear what he was reading. He was reading out of Isaiah 53. But here's the beautiful thing. If you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 53, which is the suffering servant passage talking about Jesus, right? If you just flip over a couple chapters to Isaiah 56, I have to believe that at some point in the eunuch's life or in his journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, he had to have read Isaiah 56. Had to. This is what it says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial, a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating and hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Amen? For all the nations. So the eunuch... Philip's listening and he hears Isaiah 53, but I have to believe that he, was, he read Isaiah 56. And that hope welled up within him. Is that possible? Is it possible that there's a God who would accept me and love me, a eunuch, if I really sought after him? Could it be? And so Philip being attentive, engaging in the what's going on around him, understanding, and he goes up to the chariot and he's listening. The next thing he does, he says, do you understand what you're reading? So be led by the Holy Spirit and please be asking the right questions. Do you understand what you're reading? This is not rocket science evangelism. It's not. He's listening, he's engaging, and he asks, do you understand what you're reading? Now, I have learned in the last mm, seven years of living with teenagers, you need to ask the right questions. Right? So the question isn't any longer, were the parents home at the party you were at? That is not the right question. Because you would get a, sure, mom, they were home. No, no, no. The right question is, were the parents home all night 
in the house while you were at the party? That's the right question, right? And the question is no longer, were there girls at the party? Oh, there were girls at the party. Well, no, no problem. No, no, no. The right question is, were you making out with any of those girls at the party? That's the right question. Because you only get the answers to the questions you ask, right? You know, back to our clip. This woman had no idea what the right question was to ask to connect with this other woman who was from a completely different culture. Everything. No clue. But Philip, he's engaged. And he's listening. And he asked the right question. Do you understand what you're reading? It's beautiful. Be asking the right question. And then the eunuch responds and he says, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, you remember what I just told you. This is an important man. Charge of the treasury, the queen of Ethiopia. This is Philip on the desert road. Be ready for the invitation. Be ready for the invitation. He invites him up into his world, into his chariot. I swear, we don't think that people who don't go to church or who don't know Jesus, that they're never going to invite us into their world. That somehow the walls are just going to be there and they'll never let us in. Clearly, Philip was invited up. Clearly, Paul in Acts 17, when he was in Athens, and he's speaking to all the very intelligent philosophers of the day, they invite him into their circle. And they say to him, what are these things that you're talking about? We've never heard these things before. We want to know more. He's invited in. And so my question is, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, are we being invited in to our friends' lives? Are we being invited in? And I'm not just talking about, you know, once a month or, you know, casual conversation. I'm talking about being invited into their world. That genuine That you know what? I really like you. I like being around you. I like what this friendship has to offer. I'm telling you, when people know that we're genuine and that we're real and that actually following Jesus makes a difference in our life, you get invited in. You do. My good friend Linda, who I've been walking with for eight years now, amazing the picture of it when Michael would stay over at Stephen's house her son the first year I would go to pick Michael up and I was at the door oh hi how are you 
Good. Nice to see you. Did they, the boys have a good time? Yeah. The next year, I would go to pick Michael up. Oh, Lisa, why don't you come back into the kitchen for some coffee? Okay, that would be great. So back into the kitchen I go. And then a year later, I was invited to the backyard for a barbecue. <laughs> right? Do you see the picture, though? Eight years, first the doorway, then the kitchen. She's slowly letting me into her life until last week. When her father went into the hospital for a routine surgery and had a stroke on the table. And I go to the hospital. And she doesn't want to see anybody else. And she says, Pastor Lisa's here. She threw her arms around me. She doesn't go to church. I'm not even sure where she stands with the Lord. I think she believes. But she's invited me in. It's a privilege. People will let us in. We have to be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. To go to the road where we don't want to go. To the people that we maybe don't want to go to. And to engage and listen. Be sensitive. And to be invited in. And so I'm sure Philip hopped right up into that chariot, man. Can you just see it? I'm sure he didn't even wait. I'm sure he hopped right up in there. Are you kidding me? Of course he did. If he's on the desert road and he gets invited up, he hops right into that chariot. And he sits down. And he says, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? And so we hear the words in Isaiah 53 about how Jesus was despised. How there was no justice for him. How he was humiliated. And the eunuch says, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And I think this is one of the most beautiful things that Philip does. Begin where the person's at. Not where we want them to be. Begin where they're at. He didn't go to the four spiritual laws. We do that somehow. We, I don't know what it is, but somehow we've been trained that we have to have some sort of memorized script when we talk to people. And that somehow if we don't have that script memorized or step one, step two, step three, step four, we get nervous that somehow we've skipped something. And now someone's not going to get saved or they're not going to pray the prayer. I want to tell you this morning, be released. Be released. Be free. Because God is the evangelist. Yes, we cooperate with what God is already doing in the world and in the lives of people as we're led by him. Absolutely. But we begin where people are. This is where he was. And so Philip has the amazing opportunity to talk about the good news of Jesus from Isaiah 53. How awesome would that be? 
right? That this eunuch, perhaps hurting in his soul that he doesn't belong, that he's been kicked to the margins, that nobody cares about him. And now Philip gets to talk about who Jesus was and what he did on the cross and what that means for us. Because the gospel is for all people. Because in Jesus, every barrier was broken. So there is no longer slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We are all one in Jesus. This is the hope. This is where Philip starts with this man. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged this morning. I could read this story over and over and over again and learn new and wonderful things about how we talk to people, about how we engage someone, about how we're sensitive and looking for those open doors and asking the right questions. I want you to be encouraged this morning. And I'm going to ask you that perhaps you're here this morning and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And you know what? You're like, Lisa, you know, this is me. Like, I, I try to do this, man. Like, I, I try to be led by the Holy Spirit and to be open to that. And I, I'm trying to walk that walk. Amen. Amen. Keep going. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And you can't remember the last time. You talk to someone about your faith. It says there at the end that Philip began with that passage of scripture. Literally what that means is that he opened his mouth. He opened his mouth to speak. And so maybe you're here this morning and it's been a long time. Since you've opened your mouth. To share the love of Jesus and what God has done in your life. I always say either it's good news or it's not. Either, either Jesus has changed our life or he hasn't. Either it's real every day or it's not. And so if it is, we need to be telling it. Or maybe you're here this morning and you feel like the Ethiopian eunuch. Not really sure where you fit. Don't feel very accepted by God. Ostracized, different. Maybe that's you this morning. But perhaps you've come here seeking truth, asking questions. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. This is the place, this is the church. We are the people of God. And so I'm going to ask this morning, uh, as the worship team comes, if you see yourself in any one of those three places that you say, yes, Lisa, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and walk with Jesus, or you say, you know what, I've been a Christian for a long time, I haven't opened my mouth to anybody in a long time, Or perhaps you're the eunuch this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something. As the worship team plays, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. This is between you and God. 
Perhaps this is a commitment that you'll make going into Lent. You'll say, yes, Lord. I will be led by your spirit. Lead me. Help me to be sensitive to the people around me. And if I'm seeking this morning the truth, God, show show me your truth this morning. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, if you'll just stand where you are, and I just want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. That it never returns void. Father, I thank you for this wonderful example of Philip. His courage. His obedience. Into the unknown. Into a desert road. And so, Father, I thank you for those who have stood this morning who say, Lord, I'm trying. Like, I really want to be open to your leading and Lord, just show me. Show me the people in my life. Show me the people in my family. Show the people that I work with, go to school with. Show me, Lord. Help me to be listening and engage in conversation with them. And Lord, I pray for those here this morning who have stood, who have been a follower of you for a long time, Lord. But it's been a long time since they've actually spoken about your love, about your forgiveness, about your grace, about your mercy. And so, Father, I pray for those people who have stood this morning that you would give them courage and boldness, that you would help them to move forward. And, Lord, I pray that you would bring somebody on the road, somebody on the road that they could speak to. And, Lord, finally... I pray for those this morning who have stood that feel like the Ethiopian eunuch. Father, I pray that they would know that you have not forgotten them. You have not forsaken them. That you will give them an everlasting name. And that if they have come this morning, they have come to seek your truth. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak truth to their hearts this morning thank you that they've come Lord I pray they continue to ask questions they continue to seek after you so that they will know the grace and mercy of your salvation and so Father I thank you for this time for your word I pray that it would go deep into our hearts so that we will be people who are transformed, so that we will be people who can say, yes, we follow Jesus, and it does make a difference. We pray and ask all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. New community, as you go from this place, Be reminded that God is the evangelist, that you are an instrument of the Holy Spirit that God uses to bring people 
into conversations after being led by the Holy Spirit so that people may meet Jesus. Be reminded that by God's grace, men and women come to know him because of the conversations you have. May God show you his way this week. Would you help me thank Lisa Orris for having been here today? Thank you, Pastor Lisa. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.